Hi, I'm Samantha Rund, actor, comic, and creator of Beyond Technique Coaching. This podcast focuses on performance and the many ways it can help enhance our lives in voice, body, and mind, so we can bring more of our whole selves to our lives and work, because our whole selves are our best selves. On this podcast, I'll have on some incredible guests. We'll be sharing some stories of the ways that performance has helped inform and empower our lives, as well as share tips, techniques, and some of our many experiences. I hope you stick around and let's have some fun. Hello, thanks again for joining. So for today's episode, I'm just so, so excited for our next guest. He's actually a former classmate of mine. We trained very intensely in theater, and uh, I'm saying intensely, MFA program, three years, about 12 hours a day. (laughs) So yeah, we spent a lot of time together, and I'm just really, I've loved seeing his journey ever since we graduated. He's been a professional actor and filmmaker in New York for over a decade. Currently, he's working as a mayor. That's been since 2019, but he's also worked as a trustee, and uh, and he also works for the Ford Foundation. So I'm just... So excited to hear what he has to say about how performance has enhanced his life and how it helps him in all of his various uh, roles. So uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Chance Mullen. And please give a warm welcome to Chance Mullen. Hi. Hi, Chance. How's it going, Samantha? Good. It's so good to see you. You too. (laughs) You too. Yeah. So it feels like, uh, it feels like forever ago and, uh, also not too long ago that we were taking voice classes and practicing Suzuki yeah. and just all of that living at the drama school. Yeah, it, it, it is strange. It, um, I can't believe it's been like 15 years or something. Don't tell people that. I'm sorry, but no, no, that it's is okay. wild. I know it is wild. No, see, it's so funny. It's like, I love people to know for my coaching. So thank you listeners. But if you're a director, okay. just remember Wigs, some makeup. I'm however old I need to be. <laughs> it's, it's also it's also funny about actors. Yeah, I think I think whenever whenever you make you know friends with people and then you're you're in an acting environment, whether you're in a show with them or you went through a, a really intense MFA program with them, it, it's it you can reconnect at any point in the future, yeah. and it's like. It's, you know, it's like coming back to family. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think in a strange way, actually, um, the pandemic has sort of prompted some of those right. um, reconnections. Um, so it's good to see you. It's like it was yesterday. Yeah, it's like it was yesterday. Thanks. Yeah, and that, you know, the age thing that I was joking about, I used to tell people all the time after I, you know, uh, we'd be doing touring shows and this and that, and audience members would say, well, how old are you? I'd say no problem. And then it wasn't until an older actress told me, not that much older than me, but she said, you better stop now because once you turn 30, things are going to change because they did for her. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's personally not something I agree with, but it's an awareness I have. So that's the only reason why. Otherwise, the older we get, the better it is because we're lucky enough to age. That is exactly right. Yeah. It means we've survived. Right? Another year older is another year of all the things that we survived <laughs> and learned. Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> that's a really sad way to put it but well hey we made it this far samantha it's true but you know because the thing is i always thought 
you know, it's, it's horrible how when people are celebrating, like they, they don't want to celebrate. Um, uh, most people I meet after you get to be a yes. certain age, it's like, they don't want to celebrate like, Oh, don't, don't tell people, um, you know, not because they're worried about casting and they talk like this. They don't, I don't, I'm just doing that <laughs> voice. Um, but it's like, no, the even more reason to celebrate. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely agree. Yeah. So, so you moved, um, just kind of jumping in here again, you moved yeah. to New York, um, pretty much right after grad school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had been in Seattle for three years. Um, and you know, prior to Seattle, I had, I grew up in Southwest Kansas and, uh, born and raised, went to, went to Kansas State University for my theater degree. Uh, then I moved to Chicago for a year. Then I came out to Seattle for three years. And I remember coming out of Seattle um, and doing the, uh, the showcases, we, yeah. we did these acting showcases. And, you know, the question at that time for everyone was, do I go, do I stay in Seattle? Do I go to LA or do I go to New York City? Yeah. And um, when I was in LA, I, I felt like LA kind of made me wish I was cooler. <laughs> and, uh, but then when I got to New York, it, New York makes you feel like you are cool. Like uh, you're just, you're just cool being there. Yeah. Um, and there's no temptation. You know, I, I think sometimes in LA you, you feel like, you know, I want to, I want to be the top dog in LA uh -huh. and in New York, no one's the top dog in New York. New York is the top dog. <laughs> New Year, and and it doesn't matter what industry you're in, if you're in finance or tech or theater or filmmaking, you are just a cog in the wheel. <laughs> and and I and I personally really like that. Um, so yeah, I was in I was in the city uh, acting. Yeah. Uh, for a for a good amount of time, uh, we were living in the city for the first six years, and then in 2012 kind of got hit by the recession. Uh -huh. um, and uh, we were looking for a, a new place uh, close to the city where we could still commute, but be a little bit further out. And we, we had our, our son at the time who was about two years old. And, um, and so we found Pelham, the village of Pelham, uh, which is uh, right on the edge of the city. So mm -hmm. right on the other side of the border is the Bronx. And then you get into um, Pelham. And uh, we've been here ever since, last eight years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you really feel like you found home. Definitely. Love this place. Great schools, great little downtown. It's, it's, it's a small town. And it's not a small town like it was when I was growing up in Kansas. Small towns yeah. in Kansas are, you know, you have a, you know, a small town with 5,000 people, and then there's nothing for an hour. Yeah. Um, here, we're a small town, but then you know, you walk to the edge of town and then across the street is a city. <laughs> um, so you're, you're not cut off, but it is a, a, it's a small little town, small little village. Yeah. Um, and, and it's great. It's great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember when I was, cause I stayed around in uh, Seattle for a while, did uh, some uh, theater up here and, uh, you know, uh, film work and stuff like that. And then when I was deciding, I got to that point too of, okay, I feel like I did what I wanted to hear. So I go to New York or LA, visited both places. And I think I, well, I had been given advice that, you know, for an actor, most of your time is looking for work. 
Um, just kind of, that's just kind of how it is until you hit like that jackpot of a recurring show that just lasts and lasts, which are kind of rare and, and uh, far and few between. So like right. most of your time is going to be spent not actually on set or working. So right. where would you prefer to live? Like what area makes you feel like you'd rather live? And um, I think the reason why I, I picked LA was... Um, I had actually lived, like I was born in New York, so I actually, li- I actually lived there oh, yeah. for a bit. And so it just seemed like it was a new experience, but also yeah. um, probably the biggest thing is it, was so, it wasn't as far to Seattle, so I could visit home more often. And then, oh, yeah. and then um, just from growing up in Montana, I'm like, I need to see some mountains. If I don't see some mountains, I don't think I'm going to be super like, you know, loving it. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of the deciding factor for me. Um, yeah, I do miss the mountains. Yeah. You know, every place has its like pros and pros and cons. Right. Yeah. But when you were talking about the recession, I hadn't thought about it because I moved in, uh, like mid 2011 down Mm -hmm. there to LA and it was so hard just to get a regular job. Oh yeah. Right. I remember I had gone to, uh, uh, you know, get that sort of survival restaurant job, uh, yeah. It's a stereotype for a reason it works well. <laughs> right. But the I went to the interview and I was still all shiny and like, oh, I'm new and this is great, you know. And uh I remember the um the manager or the hiring director, he he was like, What's wrong with you? I'm like, excuse me? He goes, You don't seem desperate at all. <laughs> so, uh. Well, I'm not. And he's like, Do you realize how many people are trying to get jobs right now? I put the ad out on Craigslist at 9 a.m. By 11 a.m., I already had 1,000 people respond, so I had to cut it, had to cut it off. And then he narrowed that down, to you know, significantly. So you know, that was a big wow. wake-up call for me. For geez, no wonder why it's hard to get acting work out here because even just trying to get a serving job, right? You you know, the the competition is ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Um. So it makes us, it makes us better though. I think that's, that's, you know, whenever you're, you're in an industry like that, yeah, you're doing something that the average citizen is not doing mm-hmm. that the easiest thing in the world is once you get a job, you stay in the job, you slowly get promoted, you get some things on your resume and then, and then you usually don't go back down right? You don't go back down the ladder. Yeah. And the acting industry is one where you're constantly criticized and, and judged. And you're always looking for another job and you're always kind of hustling. And if you're not hustling, you're not going to get anything. And, uh, you know, now I've, I've kind of like, you know, hung up the spurs, so to speak. Um, and, and I'm grateful to have done that yes. because uh, it, it, it makes you smarter. It makes you quicker on your feet. You're, you're more comfortable being in an environment where you know people are, are kind of, you know, measuring you up. Right. Uh, it's, there's a level of scrutiny that the typical actor goes through uh, that I don't think most people are comfortable with. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, learning to deal with that inevitable rejection and yeah. um, letting it w- help you rise up instead of 
you know, crush you. And, yeah. and then also learning how to take uh, feedback and learning to separate it from yourself so that, you know, if you're at a reg, you know, day job or whatever, and your manager says like, hey, let's work on this email or your customer complaint or whatever, whatever it might be for how you right. have to rise up. I mean, when you're sitting in a rehearsal room and you're crying your eyes out and the director is like, that's not it. Do it again. <laughs> you got know? right. to you got to get that separation and not take it so personally. Yeah. And you have to show up in the room. You know, yeah. I, when I was most of that, that period of time when I was in the city, um, really up until about 2018, I was doing a lot of commercials and commercials are, are, you know, it's a numbers game. So you're, you just have to go out. I think at, I, I remember early on someone telling me, you, you've got to assume that you're going to get one for every 25 auditions. And there were some years that was true. There were some years I was a little bit better than that curve. Um, but it, it really changes your perspective on the audition process. Right. Uh, because you, you're just going in and you're just saying, uh, you know, I'm just going to do what I got to do and then I'm going to go have lunch. Right. And I'm, and I'm going to leave it wherever it is. And I also know that if I don't do a great job, which happens, right. then there's going to be another one tomorrow. And then I'll just go do that one. And, and I think once you kind of give up the criticism or get comfortable with the criticism and get yeah. comfortable with the rejection, it's really liberating because uh, you're just kind of walking in and going, this is what I do. Yes. Yeah. You just walk in and say, this is what I do. Yeah. Um, I think there was for me like a shift in my approach to my commercial auditions too, with like initially trying to figure out, like, you know, maybe being a little bit more serious about it. And then at a certain point I realize I just need to go in there and have fun. Like exactly. it's a commercial. They're trying to sell stuff. Like, don't worry about it. There's thousands of people auditioning for the same thing. Just yeah. let me enjoy myself and have fun. And then, you know, of course, of course, um, that, you know, I started to book more then, but, um, yeah, going in, just doing your thing and just like, Hey, let's just have some fun. Yeah. Let's just be present fun. and have some fun. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I find, I found commercial auditions to be way more challenging than, uh, for like, you know, scenes or movies or whatnot. Um, I'm sorry, theater or film, if I am not having a good day. Because if I'm not having uh, a good day and I have to work with a scene partner and I have all these lines to distract myself with, it's so much easier to switch that. But if I have to drive like an hour to a commercial audition, that's 10 sec seconds long. And they're yeah. like, smile here, laugh here. And they're just looking for the shiny brights in your eyes. <laughs> and you're just like, I'm having a bad day. I, I was I was lucky because I always went in for goofball stuff. Uh. And I'm always in the mood for some goofball stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I can do that when I'm kind of in a bad mood. I can that's just um, a little bit of a goofball. So yeah. um usually even if I was having kind of a bad day, um the audition itself cheered me up. That's true. Because yeah. I got to walk in and it's like, and, you know, I mean, sometimes you, you know, pick up the script and you're like, oh my God, this is so dumb. Um, but most of the time, there was a period of time where there were some commercials out there that were hilarious. 
And you read it and you're like, that is hysterical. And, you know, and then you get to play with it. Um, so I, I enjoyed the just spontaneity of it and the, um, the fun of it. I sometimes, I, I didn't have my best days when I knew I had like a three page script because uh-huh. I felt like, um, first of all, I, those didn't come around as often as the commercial auditions. So it was much harder for me to be able to go in and audition for a play. Um, and with the same kind of abandon that yeah. I could with commercials, uh, because it just felt like the stakes were much higher. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but generally I, I, I didn't have as much fun doing it, honestly. Um, and oftentimes it was, uh, you know, not to go on too much of a tangent, but I always felt like if I was auditioning for theater, I was auditioning for something that was going to suck up a ton of time and prevent me from doing a whole lot of other things. And I wasn't going to get paid very well. And most likely, um, uh, the theater director was a jerk. <laughs> Um, and that, and it, it was just a reality where if you go into a commercial setting, you see people with kids, you see middle-class folks and they're all having a good time and everybody knows, Hey, if I get this, I'm, I'm going to make some money. Right. And, and this will be worth it. This will be worth my time. Yeah. Um, and it, it's always very strange to walk into a room where someone's not going to pay you and they're like, show me what you have. Like, show me what you have. <laughs> Who are you? I, I, I never understood that there was just something about that that I always felt like, well, what are you doing right now? Why are you judging me? That's a, you know. that's a good point. It is funny because I remember um, one of my highest paid days on set so far. It was also one of the days I was treated the best. I feel like for, I've been fortunate to generally been treated be treated well. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I get treated even better when you're giving me more money. It's like, thank you. Yes. <laughs> right. And yeah. I, the only, the only times where someone has kind of looked over their nose at me and then like not looked at me while I was auditioning and just looked at my resume was when they weren't going to pay me. <laughs> and I thought, Hey man, I'm making your thing work. Right. I'm working a temp job so that you can do a play. So, you know, where's the respect here? That's a a good monologue. Did you write that out? Because, I mean, lots of people could perform that and they'd be spot on. They'd just tap right. Their muscle memory, it would just be, "Mm." (laughs) They couldn't couldn't use it for an audition. Maybe. (laughs) Well, yeah, I know. If it's one where you, like, bring in your own. But, yes, I'm I'm, a... Flying off the, ha- uh, jumping the shark. No, not jumping the shark. It's just funny. Uh, yes. Okay. I need to keep making sound for people who are listening to the podcast so they don't think that I've just abandoned it. We've abandoned it to go hey. make that monologue, you guys. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave it in. I don't know. No, who no, doesn't no. need to laugh? Right. When you, so when you first reached out to me here, I got, I got to say something that I okay. think is really funny. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm a mayor now. Yeah. And, um, some people, uh, don't know that I had a background in, in acting. There's always something funny when, uh, when people find out that you're an actor. And the thing that always strikes me as interesting is usually 
when people find out that I have professional training as an actor, it's like they suddenly decide that I might be lying to them. <gasps> like I might be faking it. Oh. And I think that there's an assumption by non-actors that actors just learn how to fake it really well. And if you ask actors, or at least good actors who've, who've had some training, it's the opposite of that. It's actually learning how to be more like yourself, even when people are looking at you. And, and, and so it's, it's very funny to me because I think that there's an impression of actors that is, you know, what are they up to? They're vain. They're, they're you know, they've got a persona. They're, they're kind of doing that. And I think most of the good actors that I've come across in my life are actually very personaless mm -hmm. and very much just themselves um, and more honest and more comfortable being themselves in large groups of people. Right. Um, so it's an, it's an interesting uh, thing to come across especially now as an elected official where yeah. I have to speak and I have to take positions on things and um, debate people on things and advocate for stuff. And every now and then I, I can tell that when somebody finds out that I had a background in acting there, it takes them a second. Yeah. Or they're like, Oh, so are you just like, is this fake? Right. Well, because people already, a lot of people already don't trust politicians yes so then definitely. they are thinking eh, you know but for somebody who's been through like an acting program like for me I would be more inclined to believe them because <laughs> you know to me like if if it was well because there's the difference of course between like celebrity and acting yes. and then how is the person acting too are they at a community theater or doing theater are they doing you know are they you know, just all the different shades of and types of acting. But if I'd met somebody who'd been through the same similar background as myself, mm. in general, I feel like we're more inclined to trust them because we we think we know what that means. And uh, right. I, I would know that means that, okay, you spent time empathizing with people. You spent time having to imagine yourself in their scenario. Yes. You've spent time, you spent time having to work with people who are not like you and right. working together. Um, so, it's a very, yeah. it's a, it's a very different life. It, I mean, I, you know, lots of people go lots of different places in the world and people, you know, interact with different people, different cultures, different towns. Uh, but there are also a lot of people who do not spend much time with people who are different from them. Yeah. That they grow up in, in a town and even when they move to another town, they're probably going to meet most of the people they know through their job. They'll be in a similar socioeconomic status, the similar values. Um, I think for most of us as actors, you know, I grew up in a, a conservative Christian home in Southwest Kansas. And then, you know, then went and did theater and then moved to Chicago, moved to Seattle, moved to New York City. I can't think of many times in my life, uh, especially during the period of time when I was acting, when I was around people who had a similar background as me. Yeah. That even, you know, even our class, you know, we're, we all came from so many different walks of life. 
Yeah. And then we were with each other uh, in a really intense, really intimate setting. And, and it changes, it, it, it changes a person when you spend so much time in your life being around people who are different. It's not at all surprising to me that most actors are pretty liberal. Right. They're, they're going to be, you know, in favor of civil rights and in favor of gay rights and in favor of women's rights. And, and they're going to be saying, yeah, you got to help out the working person um, because that's the life of an actor. Uh, and it's, I, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I feel like it, it's made me, uh, like a better person, you know? Yeah. Uh, because I just, I feel like I understand other people differently, um, and better. Uh, it's also what you brought up, I think, uh, with the actual work of acting and being able to pick up a script and say, huh, I'm playing a character that, you know, kills their father. And how do I take that on without judgment? And how do I, this is wildly different than my value set, but how do I get behind this? Right. Uh, and it's just, it's just practice in empathy. Yeah. Over and over and over and over again. Yep. And, uh, and in a lot of ways, I feel like that's really what my role as mayor is. I, I'm, if I'm at a board meeting and 10 people come up to say, Hey, I need this. Hey, I need that. Hey, I need this. It's, uh, my job is to be able to say, okay, what are you experiencing? Where is that coming from? What can I do to solve it without judgment, without saying, well, I, I don't believe you. Right? right. Uh, and instead saying, okay, let me, let me kind of try to put myself in your shoes. And let's figure out how we solve this. And it's, it's been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. But I feel like they're very lucky to have you. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And so when you did, you know, become mayor, like how long, how long have you been interested in politics? Was this something that you, you know, you had in mind that you wanted to go on this route for a while? Yeah, I've been, I've been active in politics for a while. Um, you know, I remember back when we were in Seattle and going door to door for the human rights campaign, back when we were fighting for marriage equality. Um, so I've been active as a citizen for a long time. Um, and then in 2017, uh, well, we had this big election in 2016. Uh, and all through that, um, I was engaged and had a lot of opinions and, and, uh, Francille, my wife, uh, kept pushing me. She said, listen, you got to run. You've got opinions. You, you have an understanding of how government works and you seem to have some, you know, ideas on how to make it work better. Why don't you run? And I was reluctant because I was, I was acting, didn't have a lot of money, uh, wasn't connected to anything. Oh, wow. And uh, then in January 2017, we went to the Democrats' midwinter party in Pelham. And it was the day after the Women's March uh, that year. And uh, usually the midwinter party is, <laughs> I, I 
laugh because it's it's usually like 90% midwinter and 10% party. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's very low key. Usually hardly anyone is there. That year, man, it was insane. hundred people all packed into this little house and everybody, you know, there were party leaders up at the front of the room answering questions and everybody's like, how do we get involved? And Fran uh, just kept uh, elbowing me and she's like, ask them how you run. I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, okay, okay. And I was afraid. I, I, I thought it would, I would look stupid if I was just some random guy, like, I want to run. Um, and she kept nudging me, and finally uh, she just said, never mind. And she moved away from me and then stuck her hand up in her hand. <laughs> and, uh, and they called on her, and she said, hey, how do you run for local office? <laughs> and everybody went silent, and uh, they said, do you want to run for local office? And she said, no, but he does. <laughs> and five minutes later, I was running. And, That's amazing. And two months after that, I uh, got elected as trustee. Uh, and it's, it has turned out great. I love it. I, I really do love it. I, and I see it as it's one of the purest ways to change the world that my child is living in. Mm. And he's growing, you know, he's 10 years old now. Yeah. He's growing up in this place. Yeah. And I know that I get to influence it. And I know that when he gets to an age where he's looking back at Pelham as his home. Yeah. He's going to know that I did some things that just set a few things in motion so that he can go, man, you know. My dad really like impacted my home. Right. Um, it's great. I love yeah, it. That's so beautiful, you know. And um, you know, just as an aside, like I remember you like from school. I just remember you as always being somebody with a heart for family because I really care about family too. So it has been. Um, it's, it's, it's like your, your joy in your family, like it makes other people happy too. Like his wife is wildly talented, have a lot of respect for Very. her. Their kid is just gorgeous. So it's, it's awesome seeing you guys being happy and you still making your positive difference and doing all of that. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's really Thank neat. You. Of course. Yeah. So, um, we're almost getting to that, that point where we're, we're getting close to time and, yeah. um, I wanted to, ask you because you already you already gave so many amazing uh reasons for how this has helped improve your life mm -hmm. um i have two questions one is going to be a favorite role that you've played or a dream role that could be two questions um, and then um, the other one so that i don't forget is uh, when you moved to new york initially uh after uh after grad school what were the best and hardest things about, you know, the early days there? Do we want to start with that one and then we'll go to the favorite roles? No, I'll do the favorite roles. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll do the favorite roles. Okay. That one's easy. Uh, so I, I played the, I don't know the name, I think Gordon or something. No, not Gordon. I don't know. Uh, in a new brain, there oh. is called a new brain. And uh -huh. I played in that when I was at Kansas state university and I just really loved it. Um, it was, I, it was like right at that spot where I felt like I was a, I was a senior in college. So you're, you're kind of like 
you know, moving into your own kind of command of, of your own process. Um, and you can show up at your best. Uh, and I really, really loved it. Um, outside of that, I, I think I would like playing Iago. Oh, I would like playing Iago. I can see that. It's super dark. Uh, and I've played funny people so much. Yeah. Um, that I know I, I, yeah, I would just enjoy playing the darkness of that. Yeah. Iago is a very, very interesting character. Right. And I guess for listeners, uh, if you're not familiar with it, that's from Othello. And he is a betrayer of trust. Yes. <laughs> yes, among many is. other among things. Among, um, yes, among many other things. Uh, and I can, I can relate, and I know I've said this uh, on, on the podcast before, but like I'm a kind, empathetic person who deeply cares about other people's feelings. Sometimes it is just so nice to play horrible characters. Yeah. It's just nice to get on the stage, let out like these like, things that I'd never want to act out in real life, scream, murder. I mean, I don't know, like Medea or something, you know, but never want to live like her, but boy, are they fun to play and And they have their own lessons. Yes. You know, and it helps. I mean, it also helps show the audience what not to do. (laughs) Yes. But it's also really fun to play smart people. Mm -hmm. And usually the smartest people are villains. Ooh. And I, I, it's it that's just fun it's fun to outwit people yeah and i feel like there's a bit more work to do with them too as an actor because for like the leading hero type or something Mm -hmm. we see it often we understand it it can tend to be a bit more formulaic like the villain is the one that that's different and then their thinking goes contrary to the thinking that we have in our everyday lives or what we necessarily read about often so there's kind of more juicy things to dig into there sometimes yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, and then for the new brain, um, uh, the new brain musical, uh, obviously like a, a really fun role and definitely the timing and everything that you said, it makes total sense. But what was it specifically about that character that was fun for you to play? Um, or, or like a way that it made you feel or maybe a new it, experience? Yeah. It's a very talking musical mm-hmm. and, uh, it just clips along. I think it was just the style of the show and it was very, um, uh, we had a very sparse set and uh, the way the lyrics fall out, there's a lot of real quick lyrics. Um, so I think it's just the, the style of it was, was just really fun to play. And it felt like talking to music. And yeah. that's, that's kind of the version of musicals that I like most. Uh, where it's not, you know, an aria or, something, or lots of ballads. Right. Um, I like that just kind of quick paced people saying things at the speed of their thought rather than now I'm going to stop and do this song. Right. Yeah. I just got a memory. You did um, Giants in the Sky, didn't you? Yes. In, in grad school. And that one was a lot of fun watching you do. That was a good one. That, for was, you that was a fun, fun one to do. That'd be, yeah, that'd be, I'd love to play the witch in uh, the, um, Into the Woods, that musical. Into the Woods. Into the Woods. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Great. Okay. And so then, um, you know, just transitioning back to that tr- transition from uh, mm-hmm. Seattle to New York. Just curious, what was uh, what were 
maybe some of the hardest things and best things or most fulfilling things about that initial experience? Um, I think the hard things, you know, it's a lot of the, the things that are hard anytime you get out of school, you mm-hmm. get out of college, you're, there's this feeling that you're losing time and that you have to, you know, those first couple of years out of graduate school, it, it feels like you're in a race against all the other people who are coming out in, into the world and um, you want you to capitalize on it. And you know that after you get out of grad school, the feeling is you come out of grad school, you do these showcases, you try to get agents. You get an agent and then you start doing commercials and then you're trying to think, okay, well, if I get a commercial, then I'll get, you know, a show. And if I get a show, then I'll get a different agent and I'll get this and I'll get that. And it's a rat race, you know? Um, And it's very difficult to just step back and just be and just exist without feeling that pressure to, uh, to get it, to get it all. Um, and that's hard. That's, that's a really hard aspect of it. Um, and so much of my memories around those first couple of years out, out of graduate school, um, and so many decisions I made uh, were just around that feeling of, I gotta, I gotta do something. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta stay busy. I've got to be in like four shows at all times because someone's going to ask me what I'm doing and I have to be able to tell them what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) It's so ridiculous, you know? Oh, well me, I'm doing, I did four commercials and three shows and I've got a production company and I'm writing this and it's such a strange environment to be in, but it feels like that. It feels like you have to constantly prove that your trajectory is up and yeah. It, uh, so many things about what you're saying. Okay. So with that experience, I have also experienced that, uh, particularly in LA when people are saying what they're up to and then they ask what, you know, what are you up to? And they're all interested until you say, maybe you haven't done something in a month and you see the light fade from their eyes. You see how quickly they lose interest in you as a human being. And there definitely are people who operate on that level and then people who don't. Because I know other people would look at you like, you're doing too much. Why are you, why are you like, why, why don't you just relax? You know, it's, it's kind of hard. It can be hard to meet people that are on that same sort of wavelength that are doing a similar amount to you. And they're like, yes, this amount makes sense. Right. Yeah. And, um, oh, it was also just when you're talking about getting out of school, there are certain real life transitionary difficulties that I think apply in general to most people leaving the academia into the real world. Um, But then on top of that, there are the artist ones. And I think it took me a while to um, kind of peel apart the layers and see, oh, this difficulty, I'm not the only one feeling this pretty much all actors are feeling this or it's not just actors. It's, it's pretty much everybody who leaves school and they Mm -hmm. think, they think, um, their, uh, degree is going to mean they're going to have this kind of life, this kind of pathway. And then the shock of, Oh wait, but what's the real world application with, you know, certain things that you can only learn 
when you're actually doing the thing. You yeah. know, it's inevitably different out of the classroom. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, there are just aspects of that environment that I think are, are not really very healthy, you know, uh, and lend to, I think a, a lot of actors experience a ton of abuse because of that environment. Oh, which environment? Uh, just the environment of feeling like you always have to prove yourself. Uh, you always have to be ahead and yes. you always have to have something to say. Um, it just creates, it, it creates a desperation that I don't think is helpful yeah. to, to people. Yeah. Um, and I wish that there was some other way to do it. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what that other way is, but, um, but I think on an individual level, I, I know that I got to a point where I thought, you know, there are going to be some things that I'm, I'm going to do some things I'm just not going to do. And if I end up not being a successful actor, I won't be a successful actor. Oh, so many things. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, came to realize that a lot. And actually, you know, uh, I was mentioning to you before this, I had the interview with Coot Blackson. It's uh, episode five, uh, Evolution and Uncertainty, if you haven't listened to it yet. But he talks about, um, and he's a transformational coach, but he talks about how uh, so much unhappiness and suffering people have is because we're trying to hold on to the things that aren't certain. And I, you know, I, I'm thinking about actors, of course, and uh, especially the actors that I know in LA, uh, because, you know, they've taken the jump to like, I'm, I'm doing this, everything's on the line, I'm hustling, I'm working those 12, you know, shift and then auditions and blah, 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 and all of that, and so much love and energy, blood, sweat and tears into it, and then having no control. Over an industry right. like over an industry that's constantly changing, uh, that promotes, uh, you know, that's very focused on looks, that's very focused on connections, and you know, all of these things, all of these things outside of your control. And like, the more you hold on to that, the more miserable you get. And yeah. uh, so, I think the point where you're at now, and for myself too, of the time that it's taken me to get to this level of acceptance of seeing the industry for what it is and not right. judging it as being good or bad. It's just what it is. But it also means that sometimes that's going to work for me and sometimes it won't. And that's no fault of mine because we've, right. we've done the work. We show up, we do the work. After that, it's out of our hands. Yeah. And I will say, of course, in my opinion, of course, your success as an actor, you have success, you have your beautiful wife, your, you know, that you met, <laughs> right? School, your children, yeah. you're using it to mayor, you have done shows. Um, and I, I understand because I'm saying this from a sort of, you know, Zen acceptance place, but I still have my moments where I'm like, but I wanted to be in that movie. I could do yeah. that. Put me in that still. So, I mean... I think what made still it the human aspect. Yeah, I think what what you know, I I'm I'm not acting anymore. Um and I think uh, I had one benefit in that my transition out of acting was really just uh over time my life became full of a whole lot of other things that I didn't want to sacrifice for acting. And and 
And so it was a really slow transition. You know, 2012, I started temping for Ford Foundation. Then I got hired at Ford Foundation. They let me keep acting. Um, you know, a couple of years prior to that, my son was born. And, you know, then he started getting older and I started wanting to spend more time with him. I didn't want to be gone in the evenings. Yeah. Uh, so just over time, uh, I, I, I think I just realized that I'm a, I'm a more full person than, than a job. Right. And, uh, and, you know, there just, there just comes a point where you just start saying, what do I really care about? And I think those things change over time. And at the yeah. beginning of my career, I wanted to get jobs and I wanted to, to climb up. And I think what's tough for some actors is they come to a point where they, and I, at least what I experienced, there's almost a level of guilt over the thought of not acting. Yeah. Or this fear that like, but if I don't do this, then what's going to happen next? And yeah. I'm here to say what happens next is you become mayor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's what happens next. That's what happens next is you become mayor. Yeah. It's, I feel like I have to leave that there. That's such a great... <laughs> It's such a great, you know, you become mayor. Um, yeah, I think everything goes the way that it goes for a reason. And, you know, I'm at this point of acceptance and I get to invest time in the coaching now and other aspects of my life that I love that I wouldn't have done in the same fashion if things happen differently. But, you know, we don't know the course that our lives are going to take. So, yeah just got to do the best with what we have and it's okay for it to change and for it to grow because you know I know I'm imagining for yourself too like initially starting out yeah acting was the thing that made me happiest other than my family and spending time with you know my friends and family made me the happiest but then giving up so many other aspects of my life in order to right. do it and it not being like here's your tv show it's like after a certain after a certain amount of time hmm I'm okay with you coming to me then. <laughs> you come to me. I'm not begging you anymore. <laughs> I earned my keep. <laughs> right. And then I became mayor. So. And then you became mayor. And then I became mayor. You should rename your podcast, Just a Couple of Mayors. Just a Couple of Mayors. Oh, hey, it's the name of the episode. Thank you. You've done my work for me. Just a Couple of Mayors. Right in that there you go. Of course. Awesome. Well, so I want to thank you so much for your time. It was just awesome to see you and get to hear more of your story. And thanks for sharing it with the listeners. If you want to learn more about Chance, please follow him at Twitter at Chance Mullen. And of course, if you're looking for a coach to help you use performance skills so you can bring more of your whole self to your life and work and voice, body and mind, you can always reach me at beyondtechniquecoaching at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please like, subscribe, share, Leave a five-star review, and if you're looking to throw some of your dollars this way, you can also do that at Patreon, Samantha Run, Beyond Technique. So links will be below. Thank you so much, and stay safe and stay healthy.